This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And, of course, it is Memorial Day weekend. As we honor the fallen, those who've lost their lives in combat, we, you know, some of us go to barbecues. Some of us do lots of things that are fun. I was thinking of going to the beach, and then I got this crazy sinus infection. I hope that doesn't rain on my parade. But I I, want to always take a moment to realize that this is a solemn holiday It's a holiday where people lost their lives. And, you know, I try to make sure that's never lost on me. And I hope my children understand that and the listeners understand that. And I know you do. But I like to just take my time to make sure we honor those that have fallen, both on the radio show, which airs 10 p.m. Eastern to 1 a.m. every single weeknight, and as well as this podcast, This Is America. So welcome to the program. I want to uh, personally thank the families of the fallen for for their sacrifice, for their honor, for their commitment, because it's the ultimate commitment, right? It's kind of like the, the Bible verse that says, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for a friend. And uh, I take that to heart. I believe that to be true. And tonight we're going to speak with someone that if you listen to the radio show, uh, he's, he's one of uh, my favorites. And honestly, there's so many on the show that are my favorites. I say that all the time. But Lieutenant... Uh, not Lieutenant, Brigadier General Blaine Holt, United States Air Force, retired, is the former deputy NATO advisor and for the United States. And he's a, he's a wealth of information. And he's with us uh, to discuss a number of topics. It's going to be a very in-depth interview where we uh, discuss a lot of topics. And what's nice about General Holt is that he calls it like it is, doesn't give too much fluff, which uh, is why I like to interview generals. I think generals are really good at seeing past the politics, even if they have a political opinion, which they all do. But they're able to see past it to always see the the goal of the United States, the goal of the Constitution, the goal of doing the right thing. So I typically uh, try to keep This Is America, the podcast, to my commentary on certain issues. But I thought this interview that we did was so good, I wanted to bring you a part of it. So straight ahead, we're going to give you a couple of excerpts from my interview with General Blaine Holt. So stand by. This is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. We don't attack Putin or Moscow. Uh, We fight on on our territory. We are defending our villages and cities. We don't have, you know, enough weapon for this. That's why we don't use it anywhere. For for us, that is the deficit. We, We can't spend it. And we didn't attack Putin. We leave it to tribunal. All right, that is uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, and that was May 3rd, two days before Cinco de Mayo, who you know is a national holiday here, and um, 
President Zelensky saying uh, we did not attack Putin or Moscow. And now today we find out from U.S. intelligence officials that have intercepted Ukrainian communications in which officials said they believed their country was responsible for the operation without supervision from top officials, including Zelensky or his top deputies. This was reported by The New York Times and is being re-reported by Fox News. And I want to get to the bottom of it from somebody that is the former deputy representative to NATO, United States Air Force, retired Brigadier General Blaine Holt. Welcome, sir. It's great to be with you. And I have to tell you, your accent was perfect when you. Oh, my accent. That's Vidanya. <laughs> da. <laughs> yeah, da. Niet. All right. Those are all the words I know. And borscht. Okay. So <laughs> I had a Great girlfriend from you. Kazakhstan a little while back, like six or seven years ago. So I learned a few things. But thank you, General. I always appreciate your time. And uh, I love how you're able to um, make, you know, regular people like me in Radio Land understand the crazy here. Because I look at everything politically and I just think this is a scam. That's that. Who's, you know, who are they running game on? And, uh, you know, we're hearing all sorts of stories now. We're not going to give them jets. We're not giving them F-35s. We're giving some to Greece. We're doing this. We're doing that. Okay, we're giving them F-16s. Hold on a second. We're going to train them on the F-16s. All right, we're going to let them have it. All of that. So I want to get to that maybe in the next segment. But right now, what is going on with this intercepted uh, signals intelligence, I'm going to presume, that it, where the Ukrainians are like, hey, look, we did it, but but Zelensky didn't know. Yeah, it's... You know, in your run-up to the question, I think you nailed it. We, we're, we're on again, off again. We don't know if we're giving the right stuff. We don't know how much money we're paying for it. The administration comes out and says one thing, then does another. Who blew up Nord Stream? Who didn't blow up Nord Stream? So it all boils down to this. When you get a release like you got today on this so-called intercepted communications, well, well the, the military officer and me asked, well, why are we releasing intel like that? If we want to just send a message to the Russians, well, then send the Russians a message. But you're putting it out into the public for some reason. Um, and, and the problem is your credibility is shot. You know, we hear things from the podium every single day in D.C. and, and on, on a variety of issues, not just Russia, Ukraine. It could be the border. It could be um, our overly inflated currency. But, but the, the problem is the people are just not really believing. It's like, well, maybe, maybe the Ukrainians did it. Maybe they didn't do it. Uh, the problem is we'll never know because we just don't believe you. hundred percent. You know, and I was going to ask you to put your Dr. Phil hat on for a second to help me with this, because <laughs> this is really an issue I have where I don't like Putin. I don't like communists. And and I have I call them pro Putin patriots, right? People that love America, but they're so incredibly pro Putin. And some of them is because they're just independent thinkers. And they're like, look, he's not as bad as that. He's been out made out to be. And I could I could. Um, respect their opinion on that. But others are people that are falling victim to the propaganda. You know, it's my belief, and you don't have to, you know, get in on all of this, but if you want to, you can. I believe the Russians, they, they're they great at creating propaganda and division and strife in other countries, i.e. this one, where they'll send things to, to, to rile up BLM right across the street from from, um, you know, some white supremacists or whatever and get them to go at one another and and then release a statement or do an interview on state TV saying, you know, we don't have these problems in, in Russia. You know, Putin I'm talking about now, he's like, we don't have these problems. Sure. It's the Americans that go killing themselves. They can't <laughs> even keep their neighborhood safe and blah, 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 right? He creates these problems here to then go ahead and make it look like he's some sort of shining white knight, emphasis on white, and and, and say that, you know, we're, we're some sort of crazy people here uh, because he's putting his eyeball on the crazy. And and then I'm I'm at odds with people calling into the show and people in my circle that are telling me, you know, 
Putin's just really not that bad. You know, I, if I had to choose between Putin and, and Biden, shoot, I'm picking Putin. And I'm like, no. And then if I say, look, I don't like Putin and I don't like Zelensky either, you know, and guess what? I don't even like Biden, but I love America. And then, then they're yeah. like, no, no, you're, you're pro-Nazi. <laughs> how, how did I become right. pro-Nazi? <laughs> I know, so, I know. you know, talk, talk me off the ledge, General. I, I'm going to, the, the, I'll talk us both off the ledge, actually, because I'm right <laughs> here with you. You. Um, you. you know, the American people are more complicated and smarter than the mainstream media gives credit for. So the mainstream media wants you into two cattle pens. You're either going to be into what they're anointing you to believe, which is all things Ukraine, all things Western, all things EU are good and free and, and the best. And we all must now place our solemn loyalty into this bucket. And then we should all know that this other pen is the Russians and they're bad and everything they do is bad. And it's just completely bad. And it's clearly a case of one versus the other, good versus evil. And I'm here to tell you that there's no war that's ever been fought that's like that. And this one certainly is, is a very, it's a big mess. Um, look, Vladimir Putin's a bad man uh, and has had absolutely zero problems with not getting his way with adherence to the Minsk Accords. That was his initial gripe. But but even before then, he didn't like the color revolution and took Crimea. Well, here he is killing innocents, uh, raping, abducting children, uh, destroying a country. So saying that, well, Vlad's not so bad. Ah, you really want to check the facts on that. And then the other part of yeah. it is, yeah, is Ukraine the sterling white knight on a horse who's there to save the world? No. But I think that Americans, uh, we can all put our equities behind a people that are being torn apart, destroyed, everything they ever worked for being vaporized in a hot war zone. And it's now in Europe. And we all remember our grandparents and our parents who fought in that great war. And we, we, we wonder and we marvel, is this coming here? Is this going to be part of this? And we quickly cast aside, you need to pull for this team or you need to pull for that team. That's ridiculous. It's the same. It's just as ridiculous to say that if I want to, I want more accountability in the money that we're spending and what our strategy is and how we're spending our money, that somehow that means that I'm not with the Ukrainian people. That's ridiculous. I actually help advise <laughs> certain Ukrainian officials on how we can have a better war plan and a strategy. And, and I'm routinely interviewed in the Ukrainian press. And so there's nothing wrong with an American who says, but I want to hear the whole story. Tell me why we should be supporting this. Tell me what's at stake. Tell me where these dollars are going and why it has to be so many or why we have to endure this sacrifice. They won't do that. And if they won't do that, it gets back to the credibility thing. Why? Why won't you do that? Yeah, exactly. These are the questions that I have. And and I feel like um, you're, what you said was really spot on. And that's why we bring you on, because you really call it like it is, uh, that you said, you know, we just don't believe you. And of course, I just read, I don't know, this is probably 500 words, this article, maybe a little more. Um, U.S. officials, U.S. officials, U.S. officials. That's it. That's all I got. There's yeah. so many of them. Can you right. give me one name? N nothing. Right. This type of reporting right. is this is Fox News. Now, of course, they're citing the article from The New York Times, which ran with the story of according to U.S. officials. Uh, but um, that's crap. Uh, you know, how do you live it like this? It is right? crap. This yeah, is look, third world and, nonsense. And, right. And, and go away, peasant. Why are you asking questions? How dare you? And then it's, it's starting to get even worse because now they want to say, if you question this stuff, we're going to brand you a misinformation type person, or we're going to make you uh, call you an extremist if you don't um, toe this line. And that gets right to our constitutional first right. And we're never going to yield on it. And, and I, 
it's not even that I, I would urge all Americans to protect their First Amendment rights. Who has to do that? We're going to. We're Americans. All right, we'll pause right there. We're coming right back with Blaine Holt right after this. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. As promised, we're uh, having a conversation tonight with Brigadier General Blaine Holt, United States Air Force, retired Blaine Holt. What's up with these F-16s, General? Yeah, so that's a very complicated issue. At the surface, I have to think that just announcing the F-16s was meant as something to get Russia's attention uh, and maybe get them to some sort of table to even talk about this. I think that they're willing to have that sit-down talk. But, but you know, for, for listeners, the F-16, um, that lead time to get that thing into the fight with some sort of command and control that we don't normally use, um, with, with where is it going to take off, all those details in the training, it's not going to be in the fight right away. So, so okay, uh, have the debate, but, but that's not going to affect the tactical battle on the ground. And, you know, my question is, if it takes a minimum of nine to 12 months, are we even going to have a war by that time? Um, or will the Russians say, oh, my gosh, an F-16, we better straighten up and let's start talking about this. That, that does not appear to be their posture at this, at this juncture. Let me remind everybody, General, that in addition to your work with RestoreLiberty.org and in addition to your work with Newsmax Television, you also are a retired general in the United States Air Force, uh, a pilot yourself. So when you're giving us this information about the F-16s and the lead time and how to get here, there, X, Y, and Z, uh, you're talking from your experience uh, on the ground, or I should say in the air. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I, I'm mostly heavy jets. I flew fast movers when I, I was teaching in T-38s, but the Belgians, when I was a staff college student there, were nice enough to give me five hours of F-16 time under the watchful gaze of an instructor, and I, I loved it. But what I can say about the F-16, while it's just a dream machine, it is, it's not that hard to fly. And, um, and I would think that the Ukrainian pilots, the accomplished MiG pilots, would uh, adapt to it very, very quickly. The problem is, the weapon system itself is very complicated and it does take time to learn. And then there's language barriers. There's maintenance training that has to go on for those crews. Um, and again, back to the, just the logistics, where will we support it from? The F-16 needs a clean runway. Will it be from another NATO country? Will that then make the NATO country a combatant? And again, right. all these questions could be Do answered. Do we give them an aircraft carrier? Right. All that. <laughs> They should be answered, but they, that's the whole point is in these press conferences, ask these questions. They're legitimate questions. We, it's our F-16, the American people's F-16, or it's going to be some NATO countries' F-16s, but, but we deserve to understand what this means. And before they said, no, no jets, it's going to escalate things. Okay, what's changed? Tell us. Um, because we're fighting this war in our name and with our money. Uh, and with some of our people who have volunteered to go over there as contract, we'd like to know more about what it is we're trying to achieve with the resources and, and what this brings to bear. Um, and, and I don't think that those questions get answered. I think that's very troubling, especially when we see what's happening on the ground. You've got the Chinese who just came in to try to broker a deal. They went uh, apparently away hat in hand and could not get that done. 
Um, you've got this incursion into Belgorod, which, you know, uh, Zelensky had said, oh, we're not going into Russian proper, but here we have this group. And they're now saying uh, there's several stories across the web that says, oh, there were American weapons involved. Okay, sounds like an investigation to me because what we need is the transparency because these are very dangerous topics. And then is is the fall of Bakhmut going to lead to a Russian army that has a clear path to Kiev? Um, so what are we what are we hoping to get done here? Because um, one year later, we, it looks a lot like World War One. It doesn't look like um, that we've given the resources to compel the Russians to leave Ukraine. Yeah. Now, and, and these are all really valid points. Three points I want to bring up. Number one, this is my ADHD and curiosity about to kill the cat. <laughs> uh, of, of the thousands of hours you've spent in the air, is the F-16 the most badass jet you've flown? Uh, well, from uh, a fighting perspective, like I can go lay a herd on you air to air or air to ground. Uh, it's, it's a nice bomb truck. It's a good dogfighter. Uh, mm-hmm. The pilots who have flown it have sworn by it. But uh, my pride and joy is the C-17. <laughs> I'm a heavy guy, and uh, yeah. I'm the 80th pilot on the C-17, and that's the Millennium Falcon, and uh, there's so many things it can do. Not appropriate for this war, of course, but to bring the bacon, beans, and bullets, absolutely it's been used here several times. But the F-16 is a very formidable airplane. Cool. Now let's go to the logistics stuff. Um, so it, from your assessment, does Ukraine have the logistical capacity in, on their runways and, and their airports and their military bases um, to to facilitate what, what you're talking about between maintenance and, and the runway space necessary for the F-16? At this time, they do. It will take some support. I do know of groups on the ground in Ukraine that are working projects to make that a possibility. So that that's a doable do. The problem is... <laughs> it is a military target once that stuff gets stood up. And so um, do we then see a barrage of missiles going after, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of infrastructure that just got put down to uh, host an F-16 unit? So again, how will you defend? Wouldn't you do that? Well, I I would work with air defense uh, systems like Patriot. If you were Putin, wouldn't you take that out? I would. Oh, absolutely. It's a legitimate military target. That's my concern is, Right. If S-16 launches from another NATO country, does that then get us into a, a bigger fight? Well, let's just say, for example, the F-16s were taking out out of uh, Poland. Well, first off, if they do that, they're going to need tanker support. Where's that coming from? Is that going to be a Ukraine tanker? They don't have one. Is it going to be a Ukraine crew that refuels that jet? They don't have one. But wait a minute. It took off from Poland. So is the Polish base now a legitimate military target? Um, the Russians will see it that way. Um, and so, again, these are things that, OK, fine, you want to give F-16s. How are you giving F-16s while sticking to your original goal of keeping NATO and U.S. forces out of the fight? Um, what, what's your plan? Because it doesn't right. look like those questions uh-huh. are being answered. Yeah. And that, that's really my question, too. And maybe you can shed some light. Maybe you don't know. I, I know I don't know. Uh, I don't know how we got to this point. And do you know, are we still doing this brokering deal where we're giving them to, to Poland and Poland's going to swap them out for MiGs or something like that? Or is this a direct deal where we're like, we're going to give these to Ukraine as part of our aid and uh, screw the Russians? I'm adding screw well, the Russians because that's how they're going to yeah. see it. Yeah, but it's unclear. I, I think at first blush, the statements out of the administration that we've seen is we give permission for F-16s to go from a NATO country to uh, the Ukrainians. And the idea would be then, OK, um, they have permission. So let's say Poland or Belgium gave their 
S-16 fleet over to the uh, Ukrainians, the idea would be that then they would go buy and refill their own stocks with F-35s. Now, who does that make very happy? Well, it certainly makes the defense industrial base in this country extremely yeah. happy. But um, but that's kind of what I understand is the scheme. The The other thing is when we talk about accelerators, if you really are going to do this, oh, gosh, get the jet into the fight right away. Well, then do you then instead of Ukraine pilots say, okay, well, let's open it up to contract pilots with S-16 experience like we did in World War II with the Flying Tigers. Uh, they mm-hmm. didn't initially take commissions in the U.S. military. Claire Chennault, Pabby Boynton, they all went off and flew for the Chinese Air Force until the United States came into the war. But there it is, and that's why I brought this example up. What happened? The United States came into the war. So are we looking at the precursor to a NATO country or the United States coming into this war. Um, and, and, and okay, I, I'm not sure we're going to do that or not going to do that, but how much diplomacy have we seen come out of our State Department towards ending this war in the last 14 months? I'm going to argue very little. I'm going to say any. none. Yeah, right. None is, <laughs> none is the right do answer here. And they don't do any. They're not even it's trying. Not useless. Hey, Russia, let's have a talk. That would, that would be where we would start that. Outstanding. And we're going to continue with Blaine Holt right after this. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, so it's Memorial Day, and our guest is General Blaine Holt. We're going to continue on the thread we were on. Plus, I want to throw in a couple of other uh, questions because there's so much that I want to discuss. He's uh, on Twitter at the Irascible. Um, the Irascible Disruptors, his column on Newsmax.com. Definitely check it out. Always some great insight. And, uh, General, my, um, I guess I wanted you to put your, um, your clairvoyant hat on now and just... Uh, you know, how do you see this unfolding? You know, you've got a, a lot of wisdom that you've gained over the years and you, and you have a lot of on-ground know-how. Do you see this becoming a thing where the U.S. gets in? I, I know you're saying it seems like the writing is on the wall, but uh, do you see that happening or do you think this is just some posturing? Uh, maybe Biden's trying to look a little stronger to get better numbers since he's not doing great. What say you? Well, <clears throat> it's a possibility that the the Chinese and the Russians together are going to compel um, President Zelensky to some sort of negotiation table. Um, if if we see that the logistic support that the uh, that the Ukrainian army needs to get on this counteroffensive doesn't materialize, but, you know, in military operations, if you're on defense, it's one thing. But if you go on a on an offensive strike, you actually consume logistics at three times the rate. And they're they're saying uh, their intel uh, chief today, General Budinov, said we we, we need more. Well, um, we're sailing through seasons here and you can see where the Russians are going to intensify their attacks to soften the will of the Ukrainian people towards some sort of deal, especially if they don't see progress. Uh, What I'm concerned with is we in the West are looking at potentially getting involved in a war in Europe. We're not. We're not watching this other flank that's materializing in Asia. China is on the move against us right now in a very aggressive way. Um, You know, Microsoft, not DHS, Microsoft is alerting us to uh, a cyber attack that's underway right now as we speak by their. We saw Twitter fail during the DeSantis announcement. I don't know if that's related, but it was interesting how it looked like he broke the Internet. Very possible. The Vault Typhoon Group, which is run by the CCP and the PLA, 
um, has attacks going on right now against our infrastructure, and they are in progress. And so this is on the same day that we're we're welcoming the Chinese ambassador who did not even present his credentials, did not even come straight to D.C., did a little presser uh, in another city. Um, do you know what would is happen? Is he the if, hacker? Um, is, is the ambassador no. that's visiting the hacker? Okay. Just checking. No, but he's certainly on the same team. And, and, and then if you think about the reciprocity, do you think you could pull that off if you were the ambassador from the United States going to China? What about uh-huh. trying to buy some of their farmland? Uh, or just walk into the border and start selling drugs to everybody because that's what they do in our country every single day with fentanyl, killing hundreds of thousands. And so if, we, if we're focused on Ukraine, and China's delighted because they see Russia and the United States and Europe weakening themselves over this military war, uh, while China's just sharpening its knife. Uh, and, and they're showing every day this propensity towards aggression. And yet here we are, hat in hand, uh, many Americans will be attending the World Economic Forum's what they call Summer Davos seminar um, in Beijing, hosted by Xi Jinping, and they're going to discuss uh, central bank digital currency and how we might all just do better on that system. Which uh, I think, if there's if, if if that won't wake you up, <laughs> I don't know what's going to wake you up then. General Blaine Holt, th- these are huge concerns for for this audience. For me, uh, we bring them up every now and again. This uh, CBDC and how they try, they're making this effort to replace the dollar with the currency where uh, ultimately Big Brother's watching and, and there's total control. And to me, that, that sounds the alarm. I think, oh my gosh, not good, no bueno. But uh, it seems like there's such a, a high degree of traction with so many bureaucrats and some on the left and, and others that are just kind of wishy-washy in between, asleep, whatever, what have you. And, and I think do we escape this or is this a natural part of the progression of our Republic where we're supposed to be in this new digital age where the government rules? I say no, but what do you think? No, this is the, I've I've talked to actually people who would term themselves a global elite. Uh, And, um, and, and this is something they have in common. All of them, I believe they don't know the American people. They, they don't even know who we are. They don't know why we attend football games on Friday nights, why it's important to go to church on Sunday or be with your community. They, they have no idea what are the buttons that get the Americans to, to actually wake up and take action. And, uh, and they're, they're making some grievous mistakes. No, we're not going to surrender our liberty. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they won't try. Um, we see every day an administration that's doggedly determined to look beyond our Constitution, usurp us, usurp our freedoms. Uh, whether it's the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, uh, our due process rights. Um, they don't care. They absolutely don't care. And and we're also not impressed with the so-called good guys who are having lots of hearings, uh, but we don't see anybody indicted and nobody's going to jail. And let's not talk about impeachment because that's just too harsh a word, even though the mm-hmm. last president endured all of that and had some pretty right. effective foreign policy going at the exact same time. Unbelievable. So China's um, practicing their unrestricted warfare against the United States. The United States is just sitting here taking it on the chin. And we're looking at potential global conflicts on two fronts. And uh, the economy's a mess and we can't even figure out the debt limit. Oh, but don't leave out the middle. Don't leave out the Middle East and Africa. You couldn't possibly. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 uh, also you're looking at an Israel, uh, our ally, that is absolutely isolated looking at a war right now with Hezbollah 
that will have Syrian and Russian backing. And now with the new reproachment that China worked out, the uh, Saudis will do nothing. The, the UAE will do nothing. So Israel is going kind of going it alone right now, and they may be at the brink of a really big war. And and then let's not forget old northern Africa, because uh, they're in this thing, too. We're seeing the civil war in Sudan. We're seeing pressure on Egypt's borders from Libya, wow. um, Eritrea. And, and, it's, and, and so we're looking at a world that has something missing. What is that thing? Oh, it's American leadership. <laughs> it's not there. And uh, that's why we're in trouble. Well, I really want to thank you for being with us, General, because it's always an honor to speak with you. And it's always uh, an honor for me to just be thankful for those that have fallen. And I appreciate your time. All right. Now, I always let you know on the last segment that it's so important for us to stand for something because if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. That's why we have to do things. We have to be inspired. We have to take action. We have to hold on to the values that we have, to the truth that we have, and, and live that truth to protect our way of life in America. And I don't mean anything radical. I just mean... Traditions are only traditions as long as you maintain them. If you don't maintain them, they become old traditions, the traditions of yesteryear, and they don't withstand the test of time. So keep that in mind. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.